where we started because that was like back, okay, end of June, you know, come on. I know I have trouble finding, remembering what I had for breakfast sometimes, let alone what happened in June. And so I want to remind us this morning that when we're talking about the character and the nature of God, some people just say, you know, like, oh, I just don't understand God. I just don't, don't think I can know him like that. And I'm like, no, no, you can Because we have to remember that the Bible said that God, with Jesus, is the refle- perfect reflection of God. That the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And so if you want to know what God is like, you can easily just look at what Jesus was like. Because he's the perfect reflection of what God is. Because sometimes people say, oh, well, God did this to me. And I'm like, no, no. God had nothing to do with that because Jesus didn't do anything like that. And he's just like God. And if Jesus wouldn't do it, neither would God. And so I love what uh, Paul said to the Colossians in the message translation. He said that everything of God gets expressed in Jesus so that you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope. You don't need a microscope or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ. And so I gave you some homework back nine weeks ago, and I said, take time and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John while we're doing this series. I think I'm on my third time through it now because we've been going on so long. But if you'll, as you see what Jesus did wherever he went, you'll see those same things that God did it throughout the Old Testament. And he's still doing it today because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And so when we look at Jesus, we can go to Matthew chapter 11, 27, where he said, Jesus said this, he says, The Father has given me all these things to do and say. In another verse, Jesus said, I only do what he tells me to do. I only say what he tells me to say. And so how could God be completely different than Jesus, but yet be telling Jesus what to do? No, they're the same, like Father, like Son. And he said, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. And no one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. Think about it. Jesus is saying, I know him better than you guys ever will. So when I'm going to do what he tells me to do and just, you want to see the God? Look at me. That's awesome. We don't have to wonder and we don't have to think, well, how is he or how is he not? No, we we fully get to see that. God is knowable and discoverable. He is relatable. He's understandable. And every story of the Bible is about God revealing himself and interacting with people. And so it's interesting how we look at the Bible and we're like, oh, yeah, we, we think it's fine that, you know, he showed up and talked to Moses. He showed up and talked to Abraham. He showed up and talked to Jesus. But no, no, he won't do that for me. No. He loves you just as much. Come on. And so Jesus said, I'm ready to go over what the Father's like, line by line, with anyone who is willing to listen. And that's, that's the, only, the only, only sticking point on it. If you're willing to listen, you'll find God. If you're not willing to listen, can't do much for you there. Oh, come on. It says, are you tired out? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. He said, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
And so as we learn to discover who Jesus is and by, by association who God is, it helps us to learn to live freely and lightly because he's not going to be the one putting pressure on you. That's why I think it's interesting in his category, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Religion is all about force, like you have to do this. And when it comes to God, it's like, no, you get to do this. I choose to come and worship God. I choose to discover him. I choose to learn more and press in. I don't have to. I get to. And that's the big difference between religion. Religion will tell you everything that you can't do this and you have to do this. And God just says, hey, be with me. See how I do it. And you'll know how to do it. Come on. You know, it's funny when I watch my own children, how sometimes they pick up on my habits and the way that I do things. I saw Bennett was sassing one of his brothers this week, and I was like, oh my goodness, I swear I was looking at myself in a mirror. You know, when you're with the Father, the things of the Father begin to rub off. It's not that he was trying to imitate me, he just spent too much time with me. And we should be that way with the Father. Amen? So the last four weeks, we've been looking at our first redemptive name of God, and that was Jehovah Jireh. And we said that a redemptive name of God is a name that was given to God, uh, given about God that reveals one of his character attributes that don't change. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've been saying it so many times through this series, and we'll continue. God does not change. And he says he doesn't change, so therefore, you're not consumed. Come on. So you don't have to wonder how he is. It is how he is. And so we spent four weeks looking at Jehovah Jireh that the Lord will provide. And we said that when we look at Jehovah Jireh, most people make this about money. And they're like, oh yeah, God will provide my, my needs and he'll, he'll bring lots of money. And, and I want you to change your perspective on that. Provision is not just about money. It's about what do you need? When Jesus walked onto the scene, he wasn't like, here, take some gold coins, take some silver. No, he brought what was needed to the scene, whatever it was. Did they need food? He multiplied the bread. Did they need the storm calmed? He calmed the storm. Did they need sight? He opened the eye, blinded eyes. Did they need life? He raised the dead. Whatever was needed, he was the provision of. And he's still that way. And there's things that you need in your life more than you need money. If your thought processes would change, the money just flows. Because when you bring value to someone and to something, you can't help but increase. And so sometimes what we need more is wisdom. Sometimes what we need more is a caring heart for others. Come on. Oh, we don't like to hear that sometimes. Like, oh, no. you can No, no sometimes we just got to be like, I can be nice. <laughs> I can be nice. And so after spending four weeks on Jehovah Jireh, before going on to our next redemptive name of God, there's another aspect of God that I think we need to cover before we move on. So if you want to join me this morning in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to look at a story from Abraham. And so up until this point with Abraham... Every interaction that he's had with God has either been as Elohim or Jehovah, as the great God or as the self-existent one who reveals himself. Those are the two names 
in which Abraham has known God up until this point in his story. And in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord, Jehovah, or the self-existent one, who reveals himself, and that's exactly what he's doing, he's about to reveal something about himself to Abraham, so that's why you see Jehovah used there. He says, he appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me, and be blameless. And I've highlighted almighty God because here Abraham is introduced to God in a different way. And the word that is used there is the name El Shaddai. This is the first time we encounter El Shaddai in the, in the Bible. So God is about to reveal a new aspect of himself that up until now has been present with him. It's just not been recognized or revealed. And he's like, now's the time to do it. I'm going to do something with Abraham and I'm going to reveal myself as El Shaddai. And so when we look first at the simple definition... He said, uh, the, when we translated it into English, it said, I am almighty God. And that comes from the first simple definition of it is, which is most powerful. When that comes from the root of Shaddai is Shaddad, which means to overcome or to destroy. And so when, he, it, when we talk about El Shaddai, the first way we look at it is he's all powerful. He is almighty. He's just not that he has might and power. He has all might and all power. There is nothing stronger than God. There's nothing mightier than God. You will never come in contact with anything in your life that God is not greater than. And that should bring us great strength and great courage for whatever we're going through right now because whatever you're facing, God is bigger. And so he's revealing that aspect to Abram here that whatever's going on in your life, Abraham, I am more powerful. I am mightier. I'm bigger than it all. Come on. That's why John says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What world? All of it. There's nothing greater than God. But the second aspect, as we look in the definition of El Shaddai, that is revealed through it, is that he is the all-sufficient and the self-sufficient God. And we need to stop and think about this for a second. He is the all-sufficient. There's nothing that he is lacking. Pretty obvious there, right? We don't look at God and say, oh, God just doesn't have what I need. No, he's got whatever is needed. He is all-sufficient. But the second aspect is important. He is the self-sufficient. It's important for us to remember that God doesn't rise or fall based upon how we feel or what's going on in our life. God is self-sufficient, self-sustained in everything. When you're having a bad day, God's not. When you're having a good day, that didn't suddenly make him have a good day. He was already having a good day. He does not rise and fall based upon how you feel or what you face. He is always the same. Come on. And religion has given us this idea that sometimes, like, oh, well, God might not be happy with me. Well, how? how? How did what you say or what you did change him when he's not based around you? You're based around him. And so he doesn't do this. But as we behold him, I love what Paul says, as I behold him as in a mirror, I am transformed 
from glory to glory. And so being self-sufficient and self-sustaining is because just because how you feel today didn't change God. Come on. He's still rich in mercy. He's still full of love. He's still able to save. He is still the most powerful God. And so here, that's the simple definition of El Shaddai. So he says, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And we can get the idea of using the word blameless like, you know, do it perfectly. But that's not what he said. He said, walk before me, and it's the word, and be complete. We find our completeness, and we find our wholeness in God. So he says, walk with me, and then you'll be complete. Come on. He didn't say, walk with me and do it perfectly, because you'll never do it. I didn't. You won't. No one's ever done it perfect except Jesus. But he says, walk before me and be blameless. Be perfect. Be complete. Be whole because of who I am. When you walk with him, he is those things. You know, if you think about the story, when they bring the woman before Jesus who was caught in the very act of adultery, and they want to stone her, and they say to him, what shall you do? And he, what should we do? And he just kind of ignores them and he starts, you know, drawing in the dirt. And they're kind of like, hello, Jesus, come on. And he finally says, hey, first one of you who doesn't have any sin, you cast the first stone. And they immediately knew, well, that's none of us. <laughs> and they began to put down, and it says they filed out from the oldest to the youngest. Because I think the older you get, the more self-reflection you have and realize, yeah, I haven't done it right. I haven't done it perfect. I don't have all my stuff together. You know, because there's a pressure by the world to make it feel like you've got it all together. That'll never happen. And so they filed out from the oldest to the youngest. And then Jesus says, where are your accusers? And she says, there is none. And he says, go. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. What happened first? His forgiveness and his non-condemning nature will empower you to walk. Okay, come on. So he says, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and with you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. That's such a great blessing that he's blessing Abraham with this morning. Come on, this, that's what he said. I will multiply you exceedingly. And so often when uh, El Shaddai gets interpreted, people call it the God who is more than enough. And that is exactly, he is that. He, when El Shaddai comes on the scene, he doesn't just bring what you need. He says he brings more than enough. He said, I'll multiply you exceedingly. He didn't say, I'll add to you some. He said, I'll multiply you exceedingly. And when Abraham heard that, he fell on his face. And God talked with him saying, as for me, Behold, my covenant with you, I'm sorry, let's get this right. My covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. He says, this is going to be my covenant with you. What is his covenant? He's like, this is my agreement in which I will not go back on. 
This is what I'm promising you this day, and I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm making you this promise, this surety today, that it's not like the, uh, uh, agreements today where it's like, yeah, we wrote it out, we all signed it, and then I sued you to get out of it. No, God can't do that. When they make covenant, it was a binding agreement that this is what you do, this is what I do, and neither of us breaks this on penalty of death. And so when God says, this is the covenant I'm making with you, you shall be a father of many nations. Just think about this for a second. What did Abraham need? A kid. What did God give him? Nations. If that's not more than enough, I don't know what is. He said, you're going to have, you're going to, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you. And he said to God, how is that possible? I've got no children and my heir is some guy in Damascus. He needed a kid and God gave him nations. That's the type of God we're dealing with. Amen. That is the God that is more than enough. But the thing is, if we look a little bit deeper at El Shaddai, there's more to this than meets the eye. When I said that the word Shaddad is the root that we would, which we use for El Shaddai, it means to be all-powerful or to overcome or to destroy. Well, I found out that some Jewish scholars believe that the wrong root is used. That they, when they look at it, they say, okay, yeah, it, it can be Shaddad and it makes sense. But we think that it, it was actually Shadiyam, which means is the word for, Jewish word for breast. And when put together with El Shaddai, it makes it the many-breasted one. And that paints like a really strange picture when you think about it. But that's not what they're saying in a literal sense. God's not the many-breasted one. What he's saying is, I can nourish, I can bring growth, I can bring sufficiency to more than just one kid. I can take it way beyond you. When you're thinking one way, I'm thinking much, much more. I can sustain and I can bring growth to many. And so God is not just interested in filling our lives with things. He's into, interested in bringing growth. Come on. He's interested in bringing growth, transforming our hearts, changing the way we think, changing the way we act, changing the way we interact with those around us. Come on. He can sustain your growth. And as you grow, he will expand your life to, uh, to be able to handle the growth that he's brought to you. And he goes on to say, no longer shall your name be Abram, but you will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Whew, you got to think about that. He still doesn't have the first kid. He says, I'm going to give you, have nations come out of you. And then here he makes a promise, I have made you. God, when he speaks, he looks at as it as done. Come on. When we're saying like, well, how are you going to do that, God? He's like, don't worry about the details. I consider it done. Why don't you go ahead and consider it done? And so what he did for Abram is he inserted H into A into his name and made him Abraham. He inserted grace into him, and he said, I'm just going to go ahead and transform you right now, Abram. You're not Abram anymore. You are Abraham, so that every time someone talks to you and you talk to someone, they know that they're talking with the father of many nations. 
situations. And so when God speaks something to you, when God speaks something over you, he sees it as done. We need to go ahead and see it that way as well. Stop saying, well, how's it going to happen? Or I just don't know. I'm just looking ahead and it's just, I don't see how I'm going to get around this. No, go ahead and say, I count it as done. I see it. I serve the God who sees the end from the beginning. And if he said it, he meant it. If that's what he wanted me to do, I'm going to go ahead and go through and be what he said I would be. And so God says, I have made you a father of many nations. He said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generation for an everlasting covenant to, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land which you are stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. What is he saying, and why are those verses important? He's saying, Abraham, this is not just for you. This is everybody who's coming after you. Just as I said, I will be your almighty God. I'm going to be their almighty God. So we should see El Shaddai at work beyond Abraham. Come on. If he, if he meant it, what he said, we should see it continue down the lineage. And so if we jump to Genesis 28... We see Isaac, his son, the son of promise, having a conversation with his son, Jacob, as he's sending him out. This might be the last time they're going to see each other for a while. And so Isaac called Jacob, and he blessed him, and he charged him, and he said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife there from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may Almighty God or El Shaddai bless you. Come on, this is Abraham, or this is Isaac making sure that his son knows that the one who was with his father and the one that has been with him, he's going to be with you too, Jacob. And he said, He will make you fruitful and multiply, that you may be an assembly of people. Come on, this is continuing down the lineage. And it says, And I give to you the blessing of Abraham, to you and to your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So there we go. We see that Isaac was very well acquainted with El Shaddai after Abraham was. And he made sure that his son Jacob knew that El Shaddai was going with him and that the blessing of El Shaddai was still upon him and that it was still a be fruitful and multiply and that I will increase you exceedingly. Well, how did Jacob take it? We can jump seven chapters ahead when now Jacob has left Laban and he's heading back out on his own. He's reconciling with his brother. In verse, chapter 35, verse 9, it says, Then God said to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him, And God said, Your name is Jacob, or deceiver, and, your and you shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name so he called his name Israel, or God prevails. And also God said to him, I am El Shaddai, 
Come on. This is God directly reinforcing it with Jacob and be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. And so the promise was spoken. God saw it as done. And we see that it continues person after person down the lineage and on and on. And why is that relevant for us today? on us the important question right it's not just enough to to read the story how does that apply why is that important that i should know that well if we jump to the new testament where paul was writing to the galatians in chapter 3 verse 6 he said just as abraham believed god and it was accounted for him righteousness therefore no Therefore, know. This is something we need to know. Therefore, know that only those who are of, the f- of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Come on. It wasn't just something that passed from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob down to the 12 patriarchs, down through the nation of Israel. No. Paul says that God saw that the Gentiles would be coming into the family and that same blessing that was upon him sits upon you because you believe in Jesus. You are blessed with him, not apart from him, with him. So if he was blessed, so are you. Hallelujah. Woo. Come on. I love this. This stirs me up. I am blessed with him. If it worked with Abraham, it works with me because I'm not blessed apart from him. I'm blessed with him. And so if God was true to his word back then, he was true to his covenant, how much more today that he is sure of his word, that he will do what he has said. I just dare you to believe it. Come on. I dare you to believe it because you are. it says those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Come on, we can drop down a few verses. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So every type of cursing was put on Jesus, and he killed it so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Faith, come on, hallelujah. That same blessing of El Shaddai, that one who is able to nourish you, sustain you, and bring growth, the one who is all-sufficient and self-sufficient, the one who is (laughs) all-powerful, filled with all might, he is the one that's with you now, right here, today. Go ahead and say, I believe God. I believe that what you've said has come upon me. And so if Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, he's removed the curse side of the law out of the way so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. What was the blessing of Abraham? He said, in blessing I will bless you, and increasing I will increase you. I will make your descendants as the sand of the seashore, and I will make you great. Come on. That was the blessing of Abraham. But do you know, if he removed the curse of the law out of the way, what was just the blessing of the law. If he removed the curse out of the way, what was the blessing of the law? 
Come on, if God was good in the Old Testament, how much better in the New? If God was good to his natural children, how much more to his spiritual children as well? What were the things that he said he would bless them with? So glad you asked that. So glad you asked that question this morning. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he said, All of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, wherever it is you are. Whether you consider Smith Falls a city or a country, hey, it, you're blessed in it. Whether you drive outside the city limits, you're blessed there. Wherever you find yourself, he covered it all. So there's nowhere where you'll find yourself where the blessing of God can't reach you. He said, blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground. Come on, just think about the fruit of your body. That's talking about your kids. If you've got kids, that blessing is not just on you. It's passed on to them. It says the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. For an agrarian society, he's talking about your job. He's talking about your work. You're blessed when you walk into the premises. It's just like what Laban said about Jacob. I have been blessed because you have been here. You can't help but have that. Go ahead and receive it and say that I may not li like everything that goes on in my job, but I know that the blessing will be there when I walk through the doors. And it will increase because I'm there. And until I leave these doors, it'll stand in a abundance. It'll provide what is needed to provide. It'll do what it's needed to do in my life. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. And they shall come out against you as one way and they'll flee before you seven ways. Come on, we've got to go up saying, I can't because of this person or I can't because of that situation. It says if they rise up, hey, they, it doesn't say that they're not going to rise up, but it says when they do, they're going to flee seven ways before you. So go ahead and walk out the process and stand in the blessing God has given to you. It said, the Lord will command the blessing on your storehouses and all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And he just goes on and on and talks about all of these blessings. But the thing is, that was just the blessing under the old covenant, under the law. And if you thought what I just said sounded good, then we need to read Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. So if you thought what the Old Testament had sounded good, God said it's better for you. Come on, because just as El Shaddai was with them, all of those attributes are in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. Come on, hallelujah. All of those things which operated through God to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, that same blessing is in Jesus, which is why he could take the loaves and say, Father, I bless them and I break them and I multiply them. That spirit of provision and abundance is on Jesus, and Jesus is in you. Come on. He, when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, 
for the 5,000 and the 4,000. It didn't go just enough to feed them. It went to abundance where they were taking baskets full home. Come on, we need to stop making God seem so small and so petty. Like, ah, God will nickel and dime you. Come on, no, he is the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient, the one who does more than enough. He is able to sustain you. He is able to grow you. He is able to nourish you. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you that what you have said in your word is true. I don't care how I feel about it. I know that what your word said is true. And so I choose to believe it. Just as you spoke to Abraham and you said, this is how I have made you, I go ahead and accept, Lord, how you have made me. You have made me your son, that you have washed me in your blood, that you've brought me into your family, that you had me sit down beside you with Jesus in heavenly places so that in the ages to come you might be able to show unto me the riches of your kindness. I thank you that under Jesus' feet is the every name that is named and all power that it may ever be. And I thank you that because I'm seated with him, I go ahead and believe that they're under mine as well because I have been raised up and made to sit together with you, Lord. I go ahead and call you my El Shaddai. You are the God who is all-sufficient to me. You are the one who is all-powerful that is with me. And I thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. That there's never anywhere that I could go where I am not blessed with you. Hallelujah. Because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, you are. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And as you said you are, I say that that's how you are with me. Yes. You are that way with me, oh Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. You are that way with me, O oh Lord. <laughs> well, I don't care whether you loved it or you hated it. <laughs> I preached myself happy this morning. Because God is always true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm so glad that I can get to know you. Whatever my ideas of you before were, let them change in the light of your glory and grace, Lord. Let them be conformed to your word, O Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Yes. Father, we thank you for health in our bodies this morning. From the top of our heads down to the soles of our feet, every joint, every, every, all bones, all marrow, every cell, we command them to line up with the word of God, which says that Jesus bore stripes on his back so that we might be healed. We thank you, Lord, right now. Come on, I just feel the spirit of healing in this place this morning. I just feel that healing anointing. Yes, thank you for it, Lord. Yes, every area, Lord, every area, every area. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Well, in just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be up at the front, and they would be more than happy to believe with you, to lay hands on you, to agree with you, to celebrate with you, whatever you need, go ahead and you take, make use of them. They're there for you. They would love to agree with you. Hallelujah. Pastor Robin.
wrap us up. Oh, glory. El Shaddai is more than enough. Amen? Glory be to God. Well, it's offering time. And uh, there's several ways you can give. You can give on, uh, online of the, what's on the screen there and or just an envelope in the seat in front of you. But, but here, here's the kicker. You don't have to. You get to. Amen? You don't have to. You get to. God says, you know, or Paul said, he said, well, you know, God will supply seed to the sower. So you get to because God's supplying the seed anyway. Because he's El Shaddai. Because he's Jehovah Jireh. Amen. He makes sure you have what you need so you can sow seed. And so we're going to say this, uh, this uh, confession this morning. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Glory be to God. We are blessed people. Amen. God took care of it, took care of it all.